It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome in to another edition of the Skinny Podcast. It's the Potpourri edition. I'm Richard Skinner from Local12 and Local12.com, along with Rick Broering. And we, this is, as always, presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. Rick, we got lots to talk about. Lead us off. And it starts with the Bengals, Skinny. Uh, Andy Dalton led the Bengals on another game-winning drive Sunday. This one coming in the final minute when he marched the team down the field to set up a 44-yard field goal for Randy Bullock. That was Andy's fourth game-winning drive this season. A couple of those have come in the last moment just like that one. Are people completely glossing over the the Red Rifles' clutchness this season because of the overall narrative about he kind of struggles in those moments? I think people have come to appreciate him a little bit more. Um, but yeah, believe it or not, it's not just the fourth this season. It's the 25th of his career. That's a pretty good number. That's a pretty high number. But until he wins the playoff game, he is going to be known as the guy that can't win a playoff game, that isn't clutch when it matters most, that isn't clutch in prime. There's still a primetime narrative, right? Because... Primetime against the Chiefs, he wasn't very good. They weren't very good. The narrative doesn't change. So I do think people gloss over it. At the same time, I don't hear as much negative buzz about Andy Dalton this year as I have in the past. And maybe it's because it's Jeff Driscoll behind him and not A.J. McCarron, where everybody thought A.J. was the guy. And guess what we found out about A.J. McCarron? He's he's not the guy even in Buffalo. So he's he's not the guy. Um, but no, I, I think Andy is, is – is, without Andy Dalton this year, it's got this is a team that might have two wins right now. I think – it there's no way you could criticize the way he's played so far this season. And and so that's why I think you've seen a lack of complaints about Andy Dalton's performance. I think the sh- narrative for Andy has shifted a little bit. I think we used to talk about him like he wasn't a clutch guy, like he couldn't get it done in the big moments. He shrank when you had those, you know, the, the lights are shining brightest type moments. But now we're starting to just, like you said, it's now, okay, well, it's just the primetime things. And, well, if he wins another primetime game or two and looks good, well, then it's going to be just the playoff thing and left with Andy and that's Dalton. Fa- and that's fair, but right? I, it is fair, 100%. But I think we're also coming to a point with Andy Dalton where we need to probably recognize the fact that he's basically in that next tier of quarterbacks. He, he's not I, Aaron Rodgers. He's not uh, Tom Brady, obviously. He's not one of the elite and guys. I've, I've, I'm one of the th- I've always believed that. I've always believed he's in that next tier of quarterbacks. I've always believed you can win with him. And I think maybe the other thing that people start to appreciate – when you start to look around the league at all the teams that have drafted quarterbacks and you realize how hard it really is. Sam Darnold, he's been good at times, right? But he's still been a rookie. And he stepped in as a rookie and took a team to the playoffs, a team that didn't have a lot of weapons at that point, a team that was kind of starting over at that point. And pretty much since that point in time, he's been a pretty effective quarterback. No, he's not Aaron Rodgers, and no, he's not Tom Brady. And look, Pat Mahomes is great, and it it just is what it is. Maybe you can look back and go, boy, I wish they'd have drafted Pat Mahomes last year. Nobody knew that at the time. I mean, they just didn't. And you weren't going to draft a quarterback when you already had one in place, so that, that you can throw that out the window. But I think what you start to see around the league is, Man, these teams without a quarterback, it is a long time to try to find one. It's hard to find one. I mean, even the Dol- the Dolphins have a quarterback, right? Ray Antony, he's not very good. Is that what you, you – that's the next tier. That's the tier below Andy Dalton. To me, it is, yeah. I think he's a, he's a tier above a, a guy like no Ryan Tannehill. Uh, to me, the biggest thing with Andy Dalton in the past, and one thing that I do think we've seen a difference or an improvement from him is when he used to get pressure on him, it was just like – he totally froze. Deer in the headlights yes. would just throw the ball away. Would take sacks in bad moments. This year specifically, and I think we maybe well, saw I think he did some, it last year. I, yeah. I was going to say I think we saw it last year too. But but last year's team just struggled yes. so much that I think it was hard to appreciate it. This year they're playing well. He's winning games late. The offense, well, I should say the offense is playing well for the most part. The team has had its ups and downs yes. certainly, but Andy has been different with pressure on him and. The offensive line has had games where they look pretty good, and then they've had games where they've been awful. And he has not folded where he has like that three or four interception game where we just complete, where he is going to take you out of the game with his performance. Yeah, I mean, the only game you can argue is Carolina, and two of those interceptions were on the receiver, and another one was a Hail Mary at the end of the game. So he throws four picks, and you see the raw number of four picks. But if you saw the game, I think even Andy Dalton detractors would go, look, the two of them were on this guy, the one was a Hail Mary, the one, okay, I'll say it's on Andy maybe, and even that one maybe wasn't on Andy either. But, you know, he hasn't had that that game where you're like, yep, see, that's the guy I know, that's the guy I've seen. Um, No, I, I think I think the only thing he needs to do now is get this team to a playoff victory. When he does, I think you're going to look back and step back at his career, and, and when you really are, sub, are, are objective about this, when the numbers are all said and done, he arguably will be the second-best quarterback in Bengals history behind Ken Anderson who should be in the Hall of Fame. I think that's accurate, and, and I think 
fairly, that is now put on Marvin and Andy. It is it is 100%. That's the marriage that we are always going to pin this era of no football to. So they are the ones that have to win that playoff game for anything to change. But at the same time, I think we can appreciate that Andy Dalton has been pretty darn good for this franchise. And at this point, he is not the reason that they're not winning a playoff game. That is correct. Uh, Bengals, of course, five and three here at the, uh, at the midway point as they head into their bye week. Rick, can they repeat that in the second half? Because if they do... They're going to the playoffs. Ten and six gets them in. Nine and seven probably gets them in. But can they repeat the five and three performance against a pretty tough schedule in the second half? That's the thing. It is a tough schedule. I think you have four games at home, and then you have the game at Cleveland. So I think if you can hold serve at home and win the game at Cleveland, you you you're, that's possible. You're, I mean, you're in a great spot. You're, you're five and three again, and and you're ten and six. I think that's possible. But obviously, that first game at home is going to be a difficult one when you're trying to beat the New Orleans Saints. And you're trying to beat them with a defense that can't stop anybody. And here come the New Orleans Saints, who have a pretty they, – they weren't great on Sunday night offensively, uh, but they still scored 30, 30 points. Yeah, I know their defense put up part of that. But still, um, Alvin Kamara against those linebackers, seriously. Yeah, their they're, quarterback he, he doesn't could, suck he, either. He could catch 22 passes for 260 yards and set all-time records for running backs coming out of the backfield. And yeah, the quarterback, he's pretty good too. Yeah, he's, he's okay too. Uh, yeah, I – I was asked this on Sunday night on the Sports Authority, could the Bengals make the playoffs? And I was pretty negative, and I said, not, not from what I've seen from this defense. But then you start to take a, take a step back for a moment. Cleveland makes the change they do. I don't think that helps young Baker Mayfield any, so maybe they regress. I really thought Cleveland was this year was not an automatic sweep, and I still don't think it's automatic. I agree. But I'm starting to feel better about, okay, I think they have a better chance to go to Cleveland and win that game. Um, and you're right, if you can hold serve. It, it, if you can go to Cleveland and win that game, hold serve in the rest, that gets you to 9-7. and seven. Um, the other possible nine and seven team is maybe somebody like Miami, which you beat head to head. Um, the Charger game out there could be big because that may be for head to head when it comes to to the wild card. But if you want to win the division, um, I think you have to go five and three, and I think that's going to be really tough unless this defense improves. Maybe it does. There's no sign that shows me that it's going to, but maybe they find a magic formula here over the next week during the bye week to do so. Yeah, I mean, in fairness, I do feel like this team is capable of beating anyone when they're at home, for sure. Yes. Um, and then even like a team when when they they have to go to Baltimore, obviously, like it's that's, a winnable that's game, a very winnable yes. game for yes. this team specifically because of the style that Baltimore plays, I think. But at the same time, you can't feel confident about Correct. them doing those things either. So, and, and you do you you don't want it to come down to the last week at Pittsburgh. You just even though they've actually we, had some success in Pittsburgh more than they've had in Paul Brown Stadium against the Steelers, you don't want that. We absolutely know the result of what happens if it comes down to that, and it ends with Stephen A. Smith ending up on Mo Egger's show <laughs> no and question. ranting again. I, I will say, Dan Horde, the voice of the Bengals, we were in the in the media room on Monday, and he said, "I want it to come down to the Steeler game." in prime time to where the Bengals exercise the demon of beating the Steelers, of winning in prime time, they get the wild card, they have to then go back to Pittsburgh the next week in the playoff and win that game. He said in a two-week span, you exercise all the demons at once. I said, Dan, that's a that's a hell of a pipe dream, my man. Yeah, I I, uh, I don't think the Bengals wanted to come down I don't down think to that. Bengals fans wanted to come down to that either. Skitty, the trade deadline came and went without the Bengals making any type of moves. What does the franchise's inactivity signal, and is it a bad message to send to the fans right now? I think it signals they're stubborn. Uh, I'm, I'm writing a column at Local12.com. It may even be up by the time people are listening to this podcast. I hope they at least listened to offers. I hope they at least took calls. I hope they were at least serious about listening. Now, they're not going to tell us that. Um, you're not going to know that. I hope they at least did that, because if they didn't, if they just said, we're good, we're fine, then it's a bad message to your team and to the fans. I think you need another piece on offense. I, I know that the Buccaneers came out yesterday and said that they were not going to trade Deshaun Jackson, even though Sunday morning he said, I want to be traded. I would have made a big push to try to get him here. I know you'll go, well, you got John Ross. Well, you do, and you don't, because you don't know if you can trust the injury history moving forward. You need John Ross. Deshaun Jackson is John Ross with experience and success under his belt. That's what he is. Yeah, no, Deshaun Jackson is John Ross's best case scenario yes. if he ever becomes the yes. player he has the potential to maybe be. Those two work out together. Maybe he gets the mentor in the locker room that he really needs. I don't, and I don't think he needs. That's probably not fair. John's a uh, everything aside from the injury stuff. John's fine. I mean, there's no issue. But again, he's got a guy that he works out with that suddenly he can look up to and and maybe follow in the footsteps of all those all those positive things. Um, 
I know you can look and see some of the other trades that were made around the league and, and uh, you know, Dante Fowler going to the Rams, all those things, and you go, well, you know, you lost Carl Lawson. I, I don't think you, you're not going to add a linebacker right now that's going to help. You're fine on the defensive line. You've got enough guys. You need them to perform better. Um, yeah, ha ha, Clinton Dix, could you have maybe gotten some safety help? Maybe, and plus he's got a great name and all those things. But the only thing I is I hope they, they at least listened. I would like them to say, listen, we, we fielded some offers, but the, 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 what they were asking, the asking price was too rich for us. I don't believe that. But um, if they can do that, then yeah. But right now the message to the fans is we think we're good enough. I don't know if you are. Now, maybe you can flip it and go, that's a great message to say we think we're good enough. We think we got enough. Our guys are good enough right now. to win. I just don't think you are moving forward, especially with the tight end position being banged up to the point where you're playing guys that – wouldn't be on the field otherwise, where you know for sure, we've seen it, they don't have a third wide receiver right now, and you need somebody to be that guy. You need that extra weapon. Boy, I hope they listen. That's all I can tell you. As long as you could tell me you listened and it just didn't work out, because I, look, you got there's got to be a fair offer there too, but based on some of the stuff that was going out, would you have given up what, what, what was given up for Denarius Thomas? I, I would have. Yeah. I would have. And, and especially for a team that's got so many stockpiled draft picks. They've got so many draft picks. In the last few years, they've had a ton as well. And the problem is they can't keep them all. So they've had to cut some some draft picks, which is normally not their way. It basically says, listen, we, we've got guys. We just can't put them all. We can't fill our roster with these guys. So what? you're going to have another draft of 10, 11 different guys, and four of them are going to get cut because you can't fill it? If you're trying to win now, and for me, you've got two years, Marvin, and you may even have one, bub. You may have this year because the fans are already turning. You're seeing it with attendance. Fans have already they, – they, they've had it. I mean, this is a 5-3 and three football team that drew 45,000 people on Sunday. And, and I don't blame anyone. For I don't blame anyone at all. Absolutely, because the message the franchise sent by bringing Marvin Lewis back was we're okay with status quo, and until until he can change the status quo, until he can get this a playoff win or two or or have success there, you're not going to change the fans' mind. So why not go make a deal for somebody now that's going to help you now? That should have been the message to the fans. Yeah, and and I don't really care about what message was sent to the fans. I don't really care about what the the fans think or are worried about at this point. I care about this team getting better. And the fact of the matter is, like you said, to start off that that uh, segment, they're, they're not good enough to win, at least not in, in the postseason, the way they're currently constructed. So the big issue I see is, like you mentioned, there were a few weapons on offense that they maybe could have added, especially if you include Deshaun Jackson in that match, right. which ambiguous whether or not he was actually available Correct. and what the price would have been. The problem is... I'm okay with the offense. Like I would, I, they could, I need one more weapon. They could, I, I need one more weapon. They could use one more weapon, but the offense has not held them back really at any point this season. Maybe the Kansas City game early. I mean, maybe okay. you could, maybe you could have kept up a little. That's I, fair. I that whole think, game was a disaster. The whole game was a disaster. Exactly right. Yeah, I this team can win in the postseason with the current offense. I believe. The defense is the issue, and the problem is when I look at the guys who were moved on the defense side of the ball, haha, Clinton Dix is probably the only name right. of interest to me because the Bengals need secondary help. Yeah, there was a pa- pass rusher uh, that, that... Yeah, Dante tra- Fowler. Yeah, traded hands, but the Bengals don't need another pass no. rusher. They need guys to start getting to the quarterback, but they have plenty of talent yes. on th- their front seven, or their front four yeah, and that rotation who yes, rotates Sa- in. Sam Hubbard will fill the Carl Lawson role just fine. Yeah, and that's the thing. Carl, the, Losing Carl Lawson stinks, um, but it stinks as much for Carl Lawson, I think, as yes. it actually does for yes. the team because he's Correct. a young guy. And, he, that, and, he, and honestly, over his last 12 games, two quarterback sacks. He was a first nine games in the league, seven and a half. Last 12, two. Somebody's figuring him out, too. So it's not like you're losing a guy who's getting to the quarterback seven, eight, nine times this year. He's just not. And, that, and I'm that, sorry for him, too. I, I'm with you. That's sort of what I'm saying. Like he, he had, He's a guy who had a, a bright young career, but he's also sort of at a point where he needed to show himself yes, a little bit here, correct. and now he's going to have to come back from an injury. That stinks. I agree with you. I think Hubbard will replace him yeah. fine in terms of the role he plays. But, again, you needed help at linebacker as much as anything, and there, and there weren't any yeah, linebackers out there available. Nope. And then in, in the secondary, again, Clinton Dix would have been a nice addition, maybe. Don't know that you could have got him. Not a difference maker. But not a difference maker. And then there's really no other safety guys that were, I mean, uh, secondary guys that were out there being traded. So while I agree with you that the Bengals needed to do something, needed to get better, their defense certainly is not good enough. I don't think there was a move to be made for him. And that may be. That, That may be. I just, all I can tell you again is I hope they listened. That's the only thing I can tell you is if they listened, I'm good with it. And and I fully agree. They should have been aggressive on offense, too. Just because I think the offense is good enough does not mean if you could get another playmaker to make up for not having Tyler Eifert and John Ross. And, and then if John Ross, let's just say in a magical world, he plays the final eight games and plays like the first round draft pick he, he was he was selected as. 
even the better. Even now you got an extra now you got an extra weapon on top of an extra weapon. That's fine. Give me all the weapons you got. 100%. Especially in the the way the the league is currently constructed and the way it's going around offenses, pile up on as many no talented pieces as you can get. Hugh Jackson was fired Monday after the Browns lost to the Steelers. That seems to always be the line of demarcation for uh, Cleveland head coaches. You lose to the Steelers in, in the year you're probably going to get fired. You'll get fired at that point in time. He was 336-1 with the Browns. Worst head coaching record for one team in NFL history with a minimum of 40 games. And it was nice that they let him get to 40 games so you could use that, that qualifying number. Right. And I wonder if that's what they did. They said, you know what? There's a qualifying number out there. Let's get him to 40 games and then let him go. We want to make the record books one way or another for this era. And for those that are wondering, if you add the 8-8 eight eight no and that makes him 11 44 and 1 mm-hmm. as an NFL head coach. Is Hugh Jackson, though, the next Bengals head coach? And should they bring him back here in any capacity in the time being? No. Why on earth is this a thing? Why does anyone think that Hugh Jackson should be the Bengals coach, first of all, is just absolutely absurd. Here's why it's a thing. I- I'm going to let you continue. And you're right what you're saying. You know why it's a thing? Because the Bengals believe it's a thing. It is a thing. Trust me, they wanted to put the succession plan in place. It's a thing. If any owner in the NFL is going to hire Hugh Jackson and none of the other 31 will, do you know who will? M. Brown Esquire will. Well, here's the... Oh, Hugh, I will treat you to fudge cake at Frisch's. I mean, he is the one that will... I'm not telling you it's the right thing. I'm not telling you, Rick, it's what I would do. And I know you you are like every fan that's listening to this right now going, oh, God, no. You honestly believe that they're interested in him as a future head coach still on October 31st, and I think 2018. And I think it's wrong because I think of this. I think that he showed as the head coach in Cleveland that he's not cut out for that role. And I don't mean it because of his record. It just unraveled so quickly and some decision-making things and um, just the way he, he reacted this season. His, his, his inability to win close games, too. I, look, I, the, 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 the first season, that talent level was among the worst I've ever seen in the NFL. It, as bad as the, the expansion Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which were laughable and the first team that ever went winless in NFL history. That talent level, I don't. Okay, maybe a great coach squeezes two wins out of it, maybe three in a. Per, but you're not, not no more than that. Last year's talent level probably was a little better than obviously what they did in winning one game. Um, but they lost some close games last year too. Some of the close losses, I think that is on the head coach a lot of times. That that's some decision making and and clock management and 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 maybe tone that you can set. So I think he deserves some of that. He just. He doesn't feel to me any longer like he is head coaching material based on the way I watched it unravel up there. But that doesn't mean the Bengals don't think that. I totally agree that the Bengals had it in their mind at one point that Hugh was going to be Marvin's offensive coordinator. Marvin would either go to a, a management-type role in, in the front office or he would retire and he would become the, the next head coach in waiting. After he left and went to the Browns and we saw what just happened over the last three years, I would be absolutely stunned if that was a remote possibility. They are comfortable with what they are comfortable with. Now, I don't doubt that he will come back here in some type of role for the exact reason you're saying, as some type of a special assistant to Marvin or whatever. I think it's outrageous, first of all, for people to be saying he should be looked at for offensive coordinator. Absolutely. And I, and I liked him as an offensive coordinator. I, I thought he did a good job. And I would I tell he's you, creative. from a media perspective, one of my favorite guys to deal with, loved him. Of loved course. him. Great quote. Yeah. He loves to talk to the media. But Bill Lazor has done a, a nice fantastic job, job since he's he done, took over. He's done a very good job, no doubt. These first eight games, are the I can't recall one time where I was sitting around complaining during on a Sunday about Bengals play calling this year. Yeah, I know some fans do, especially like the second half when they had the 4-3 and outs. You know, I didn't make adjustments. Well, how about the guys go execute something at some point, right? Yeah. I mean, Block that's, some of that, yes, that's some of that's on them. Yeah, some of it's football, you know, like yeah. the, old, the old Novocaine thing. Like you, And the Bengals have done a lot of that this year where they've run stuff, run stuff, and it's like, it's not working. What's well, not? And then in the fourth quarter, they explode yes. on a team, and you're like, well, maybe they knew what they were doing. Yeah. Maybe it is like Novocaine, and it wears you down, and eventually it starts to work. I, I'm I, and anyway, right, so, so we're getting say, in the weeds here yeah, on let, the offensive yeah, let, coordinator stuff. All right, let, let's let's say they do bring him back here in some capacity, and I think they will, and I think there's a positive to it because you still have two games against the the team that you probably need to beat to fluff your record up to the point where you get to the postseason in Cleveland. Some intel maybe on Baltimore because you play them, obviously Pittsburgh. Plus, he's he's familiar with a lot of the guys that are still around. All those things. I don't mind him in the role you're talking about as a special assistant to Marvin. Um, 
but I don't think he needs to be on the practice field dealing with the players. He doesn't need to be around the players. I think that would be an injustice to Bill Lazor. I think it would set a weird tone. It would set a weird vibe. I think if you want to bring him back, I'm fine with that. You put him in whatever role you want to put him in. You, it's not, it, and I'm not even talking about being fair. I'm just talking about you. It, it would be a disruption to put him somewhere in a role of, of, of advising to the point where Bill Lazor's looking around going, what, what is this? I've got a job to do. I don't need him talking to the guys when I'm talking. I, my voice is the voice. For Bill's not the, that kind of guy either, but th- that's the way it should be. And for any of the coaches, right. I mean, position coaches, anything, you just don't need an extra voice walking around telling guys what they should be Correct. doing or even seeing the, just the image from a mental perspective of seeing someone going over, whispering to the head coach, well, not that guy's in his ear. So yes. he's not listening to me. He's listening that, to that guy. That's exactly and it just right. changes the dynamic of yes. your room. And I do not think that Hugh Jackson is a disruptive personality. I don't think he's oh, like a problematic guy. I don't think he is, but I think he's got an ego. And I think you saw that ego come to fruition up in Cleveland. Well, and that's what I was just going to say. I don't think like he's necessarily a problem. I don't think what happened in Cleveland was all on him or anything. And he's a guy that like goes out of his way to, to tear apart a locker room. But he is coming out of a situation where he very publicly just had a massive separation between him and his offensive coordinator in the middle of the season that went public and got them fired. Yes, got them that both is, fired. Yeah. That is not the time where you're like, oh yeah, we need to bring him in onto our staff. So again, if he if Marvin's calling him late at night and they're talking through rough nights dealing with players or uh, bad calls from officials or something, great with sure. that. Um, pay him whatever you need to pay him yes. in that capacity. But do not bring him back into this locker room. Agreed. Not right now. Agreed. Skinny FC Cincinnati had an official listed attendance of 16,617 fans for their playoff game, uh, playoff loss to New York Red Bulls 2 over the weekend. Conference kind of a, semifinal. Yeah, a shocking loss. Um, oh, this was a, a great season for them, obviously. And that 16,600 plus was 9,000 below their season average um, in terms of attendance. Do people, first of all, do people really care about whether FC Cincinnati is winning or losing? I think there's a handful. I know my my goddaughter's sister, who's a huge soccer fan. She she lives doesn't live and die, but she's she's a fan for the wins and losses. She loves soccer, so she cares if they win or lose. The vast majority of people that that go, they don't care. It's it's just, it's something to do, and I, I don't be grudging that. Look, they found their niche, and I'm I'm not anti that whatsoever. Good for you, but when they're now going to the MLS, is is are people go, going to pay big money to go? to watch them win or lose is winning going to drive people to to that or are people going to go wait a minute my fun event now is priced me out of the marketplace i don't think i'm going to go to that and i think you saw this past weekend people don't care if they win this was a this was a conference semifinal playoff game and you were 10,000 under capacity yeah. please don't don't tell me that people care cuz they don't you're right people don't care because you just said that like you know, excitedly, and I was okay. I was like, okay, it was a conference semi soccer game, yeah. oh, whatever. Okay, and for the record, I'm not, I'm not an FC Cincinnati hater. I go to some of the games. I enjoy the atmosphere. And you're right; they've done a great job of marketing a social event in yes, the city in a minor for a minor league team. It is absolutely what it should be. But I agree with you. I do not think it is taken serious as a sport. And no. he, and here's I think the biggest problem there's with a, it. Look, for those there's a segment of you. I know there are. That's fine. And they're that, mad right now. Yeah, that's okay. But the well, reality I, is the reality. I'd be mad that, that that maybe the sport you're you're loving. You look around. You go, hmm. Maybe people don't care about this winning or losing as much as I as much as I do. See, but if you're a soccer fan, I don't think you should be worried about that. Like, I don't think you should be snobby soccer fan who should be saying. We we need people who care about the games and care about the No, sport. I think you they need people need, to go. They need, need every fringe right. fan they can get. But, but now here you go. Now here we're getting into MLS though, right? Now suddenly your your fun your fun event that you went to, you're going to a different part of town that maybe you don't like, right or wrong. Stadium looks like it's gonna be beautiful. I, that yep. that may be the attraction of attractions when all is said and done. Um but usually for, for teams, winning and losing eventually drives your ticket sales. Yeah. It, it that, that's what drives it at the end of the day. Um, and in this case, this starts to show me that it really doesn't. It reminds me of the Cyclones back in the day. Cyclones back in the day were a huge, they used to sell out the Cincinnati Gardens. And in the playoffs, people would stop going for whatever they did, didn't go. And look, they're still around, right? They're still, but they're, they're a nice little niche event, minor league hockey team playing downtown. And they won a couple of, of Kelly Cup championships. And I don't think the, the city went gaga over that. Right. It didn't suddenly do anything for them. That's where, for this, I just, the, I, 
all I ever said about the whole MLS thing was be careful what you wish for. If, if they're going to start pricing you out of your fun event, that you, it's just an event you can take your kids to, family friendly. It's a social thing because, you know, not, this is going to sound like a knock on soccer. There's not a lot of action and scoring. There's things going up and back and there are nuances. I get all that stuff, but it gives you a chance to, to chat with the people around you to make it a social event. Um, you don't have to follow every, like football, you kind of have to follow every play, right? Because something can happen on literally every single play. Something can happen. So you have to follow it. Basketball is up and down people scoring all the time baseball obviously a little more social too but let's face it winning and losing is driving the reds marketplace right now eventually that's what does it if you win they come if you lose they don't but in this case i just don't i don't i don't even know if people even care if they win or lose i agree i think that may help them in some respect with the move to the mls because it's probably gonna be tough sledding early and i think people will continue to show up even if they're lasting their their conference when they when they start out here so i think in that regard it may help them the price point is an interesting one because that was something critics kept bringing up is that you're going to get priced out of it. The move to the MLS, will people still go? At least for next year, the prices we've seen didn't seem like a ridiculous increase. No, I mean, it correct. seemed pretty correct. in check. Correct. Um, concessions, ticket prices, all that seem in check. If they can continue to keep it that affordable, and I know there will be some incremental raises, but if it stays in line with where it's at now, just that slight increase... I think people will continue to go to the games as a social event. I don't think the price point will kill it. I always thought there was a honeymoon period. There for always this. is. Yeah, there always is. But we're. I think we're, we're past, past that. I now. agree with that. I think it's legit. I think the. Oh, I do too. I I think it's legit because I think they built a nice brand at Nippert Stadium for it being an event. I agree with that. Will that happen when they take the move up and move to a new stadium? That's a good question. The, my last point on, on this would be the, the next step in the evolution for this team, though, they've done a heck of a job marketing, and they've done a heck of a job getting all the media on their side. Well, the other part, too, is that it's always been the, been the if you can do all the things right now, we can get a major league soccer team. All right? Now you've checked that box. Now what? Yeah. Now you got it. It's like it's like in basketball recruiting. A lot of times you don't care about the guys on the court. Hey, we got the four-star coming in because it's – what might be down the road? How cool might this be? Well, yeah. now it's here. Let's see how let's see how cool it really is. I don't know if we'll continue to see it expand or grow in this city, but I think the next step for the evolution is that it, you can keep getting like the media people love FC Cincinnati. Everyone's a cheerleader in this mm-hmm. town for them right now. They're going to have to start being covered like an actual sports team at some point. Yes. Like people are going to have to start talking about them analytically, criticizing them. I know some people think they're doing that right now, but they're waving pom-poms when they post anything about them. Everything's super positive. It's all PR. And and some of it, though, even on the field has been positive. There hasn't been much negative, right? I mean, No, I mean, and there, there's a reason for yeah. that. But it's also FC Cincinnati has positioned themselves with these partnerships they've done and everything to be get a lot of positive publicity. At some point, I think we're going to need like someone like a Mo or someone like that to be actually having a conversation and actually having fans calling mad about what happened on the field because like you said they cared about the winning and losing i don't know if we'll ever get to that i don't know if we will either all right let's look at some college football lines for the week rick i'm always so good at these as you know last week we were very good i know we were i was i was not even tongue-in-cheek with that It, it was it was an exciting week of football locally it it was absurd was what it was it was funny i went to a to a friend's house um to to watch the kentucky game and we were flipping back and forth at times between the uc game and the kentucky game and we flipped to the uc game at one point where it was in overtime well we watched the end of regulation where they kicked the field goal three times to to, to force the overtime good for the the kid from middletown cole smith who missed three field goals a week before but we flipped it back and forth um and i saw the quarterback for smu get sacked i said it was a big play coming up in kentucky i said flip back to kentucky real quick so he did, and we watched a couple plays there. All of a sudden, my phone dings. Cause you're probably like me. I get alerts for certain teams, right? Yeah. And it says, UC 26, SMU 20, final overtime. I thought, wait a minute. I was just watching SMU on offense. So when we flipped it back, saw the replay of the pick six. I'm like, holy cow. And then within, what, 45 minutes to an hour, you get Kentucky winning on a, on a last-second touchdown. Um, it's the one team in life that I root for. So I was a, just a slightly giddy over over that victory. It sets up a big showdown for this week. So, yeah, it was it was quite a weekend. Yeah, you got the matchup you wanted coming up I this did. Weekend, I got exactly what so. I wanted. Well, let's, let's start there. Georgia at UK. Georgia is giving nine points. It's 43-and-a-half over under. Taking Kentucky in the points. Kentucky 23, Georgia 20. Really? Kentucky 23, Georgia 20. Really? That's it? I mean, last week, you didn't think they were going to be able to beat Missouri. 
Yeah, I, 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 but I took the points. I did take the points last week. You did, but you didn't think they were going to win. Because I thought Missouri, I, I thought this Kentucky defense was really good all year, and they've proven it. Missouri's offense is really good, and Kentucky now to me, and I said this on, on the Angry Quarterbacks podcast with Tony Pike and James Rapine, and James laughed at me because James always laughs at me, which is fine. Kentucky arguably has the second best defense in the country. In the country. I don't know that that's a crazy statement. I said I'd rank Alabama one, Kentucky two, Michigan three. Clemson's getting there because Clemson's got four dudes on the front line that are stupid good. They're all all Americans, and they're getting there defensively. I think I'd go Michigan two, UK three, Clemson four, mainly because I think Michigan has more high end talent. They have a little more. Yeah, and I, and I believe that. But UK, in terms of being solid and their U- depth, UK's got Jordan Jones is really good. Josh Allen is an NFL player. Mike Edwards is an NFL player. They got a couple of dudes across the defensive front that are finally men, SEC level men. Yep. And the good part is they've avoided injury. That's the other. I mean, probably the depth is never going to be there at Kentucky where you start but losing this is key the guys. Best depth they've had in a while. Correct. But you've got when you put your main eleven dudes out there. You got guys, and I'm telling you, people could do just do yourself. A look at the scores, look at the yardage, look at the things that they've done. They they have not given up in the SEC in regulation more than 14 points to any team this season, any team, and that includes Texas A&M, which put 26 up against Clemson, which put 23 on Alabama. They held A&M to 14 in regulation, and seven of those 14 were set up by a 60-yard punt return. So that wasn't even on the defense; that was on special teams. The only issue for Kentucky, obviously, is offense. And maybe finally, Terry Wilson, you start to trust him more if you're the coaching staff to let him throw a little bit more on first down, to get him outside the pocket, to do some things as opposed to go run, run, third and seven if we have to pass, because you're not beating Georgia doing that. You, I think you need to rely on Benny Snell in your running game, but you're not going to do that. You're not going to go run, run, crap, we're third and six, and beat Georgia. You're not going to do that. You need to take some shots. You need to let Terry Wilson throw on first down, and I do believe that defense they're not stopping Georgia, but they're going to do what they've done all year. They will limit Georgia to the point where you will be in the football game, and I think they have a chance, a good chance to win the game. That situation with touchdown Terry is tough because he makes the big drive at the end of the game yep. to win it, and it, it was great, and he made some big throws in that. He made some huge throws. But prior to that in the game, he did nothing to really inspire confidence in the fact that he's the guy going forward. Correct. They also tried Gunnar Hoke. That didn't work out really didn't either work at all. for him. So I... I I'm still worried about Kentucky's offense, but really I'm worried about the quarterback position. The rest of the offense is good enough, I think. They, I mean, Benny Snell's awesome. The offensive line is tough. Lynn Bowden had a great game at wide receiver, also returned the punt for a touchdown. I Look, it, I, I'm a long-suffering fan, man. I, 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 it's the, it is literally the only thing I truly root for as a fan is Kentucky. I'm going Saturday as a fan. I rarely go to sporting events as a fan because fans around me bother me, but um, – <laughs> I'm going to this one as a fan, and I, I just I know my heart will probably be ripped out at approximately 6:43 when something weird happens because it's just that's just Kentucky football, but it feels different. It just feels different. Well, I hate to do this to you, but I know you I'm do. going Georgia and the points and the under. I definitely don't think it's getting over 43 and a half, yeah. but. I just I went right up to the line, 23-20. I, I'm going under, too, so I went right up to the line. Yeah, I'm, I'm going under, but I think Georgia gets it done. But I'll, I'll be honest, I, I think Kentucky's defense will hold that offense in check. The problem is, I think Georgia's defense will probably end up scoring. And that, and that, We're it, putting them in position for easy points. And I get that. That's fair, just based on what you've seen. No question. All right, Skinny. Nebraska is at Ohio State. Ohio State's giving 17.5. It's a 72.5 over under. Where are you at right now with this Ohio State team coming off their bye? I think the bye rejuvenates them the the fact that you're playing a team that you got a chance to steamroll I think they steamroll I think they come out of the bye angry hungry realizing when you start looking at the at the at the at the rankings that came out on Tuesday and actually realizing you're behind Kentucky which I know infuriates a lot of people that you go Kentucky 9 Ohio State 10 but the fact that you still are as you start to look at what can happen among those teams in front of you that if you basically win out you probably will work your way back to the college football playoff um, I think this team comes out angry, and I'm gonna. I think Ohio. I'll go Ohio State fifty nine twenty one. I think they steamroll them, and it goes over. And it goes over. Wow. I, and that's a big number for the over under. That's a huge number. I I do think that Ohio, Nebraska's bad. I agree, and I think Ohio State does uh, cover. I do not like the over. It's just too big for it me. It is a big I, number, but I, but I don't like the under either. I just I yeah. stay away from I would that stay, number. To, I altogether. would stay away from it. Yeah, I would too. But I'm gonna since I'm going all out. I'm going fifty nine twenty one. Ohio State. All Ohio right. State in the over. Fair enough. Finally, we've got Navy at Cincinnati. They're going to Nippert. You see favored by 13 points. Over-under is 50 for that one. It's a good over-under total. 
I, UC wins it um, because this is a good. This UC football team is, is continues to show me some stuff week to week. The, the Temple loss sucks. It's so disappointing because you had the game won. Yep. You had it won, and 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 you had it won in different ways. Okay, but you shook that off and found a way. Look, SMU's not great, but it's still on the road in your league. All those things, and you found a way to come up with a huge drive. A kid that screwed up the week before, missing field goals, has to make the same kick three times because of timeouts taken. He does it, um, and then your defense, which has been great all year, comes up with the game winner in overtime. This defense, other than probably a half against Ohio, has been consistently good. The Navy offense obviously is hard to prepare for. It's triple option. It's always very difficult. I, I I I would take the points, but I think UC still wins comfortably. I'm going to go Bearcats. I'll go Bearcats thirty to twenty, and I'm going to put it right on the fifty number. I UC fans were so gung ho about Luke Fickle last year when they got him, and even when they started losing games, they're still gung ho about how great of a coach he was. And we got towards the end of the season, I started to go like, why are you guys so sure of this? Because this team it was just such a rebuilding process. And though. it one hundred percent was, but it looked. Not much different from the teams we had just been watching under Tommy Tuberville. And right. in fact, it felt like they quit in some of those games, which was sort of the big thing when Tommy right. left, is that they won't quit anymore right. like they did on Tommy. Well, it seemed like they did. This year, I couldn't be more impressed. And now I totally get get it why these UC fans were so gung-ho about Luke Fickle. Because, I mean, the way that young team last week came back and fought back in a game. Like, let's be honest, I still think they were the better team in that one. I no think question. they had opportunities to win it in regulation yes. where they shouldn't have been in that spot. But when you face the adversity, the sign of the good team, the team that's well coached, is the team that stays focused and digs themselves out of that hole and finds a way to win the game. That's what they did. And especially coming off the way you lost the week before. They're not getting down on themselves. They're not quitting. They're not fighting with each other, even when things go wrong. Um, I, I, I am very impressed with what Luke Fickle has done and this UC team. In terms of this game, though, I do not like I, – I'm with you. I think Navy covers. They don't win, but they cover. That's a, that's a big number. Yeah, and I'm going, I'm going under on the 50. I, I, think, okay. I think that's a little high. All right. I'm, I'm going right on the number, so I'm going with the push. Can, can, you, can you pick a push? I just picked the push. I think you just did. I yeah. think I just did. So uh, there you go. All right, on to some national things. One of the great rants of all time. I think Mike Gundy is a clown at times, but he can be funny. Oklahoma State coach Mike Gundy, if you didn't hear, was asked about outside criticism on Twitter in his postgame press conference after Oklahoma State's game on Saturday. He gave quite the response, saying the following. Criticism where? From where? From where? Twitter, radio. Oh, I'd give a rat's ass about Twitter. A platform for people that are sitting home trolling an unemployment check, sitting in front of a keyboard. I'm not disregarding what you're saying. Trust me, I get it at my own house. But, I I mean, I just kind of felt like that social media and Twitter is what's destroying this country anyway. So that's how I feel about it, from politics to sports to whatever. It gives people a platform to and then other people are like needling it and they're sitting at home and they're late on a payment. So anyway, that's late on a payment's the best one. Uh, you, you always hear the the, the, the the tired one of all the time is is bunch of unemployed people sticking around, ain't got jobs. Late on a payment's the best. Late on a payment is fantastic. For one, it sounds like he's talking about some family members that he's like close to. You know what I mean? Like it sounds like he's very familiar with how this works in this situation. Um, I don't know if that's the best part or him dropping the fart noises as a grown that, man getting paid millions of dollars, one of the highest paid public officials in the state. He's up in front of a press conference of media members doing fart noises. Here's the great into part. A microphone. The, I'm a man. I'm 40 from years ago for him. That's over a decade old now. So now with, I'm a man. I'm 40 is making fart noises at 50 or 51 or maybe even 52. He is the guy who said, I'm a man. I'm 40. Well, maybe you're not a man any longer when you're 51 or 52. You go, you resort back to uh, your juvenile ways, I guess. But I will say an underrated part of that is where he says, trust me, I get it at home. What was he talking about at that point that like he gets Twitter criticism at home? Like his wife is in the kitchen. Like you suck. No. <laughs> Clean. Go take out the garbage. You lazy slob. Oh, she, she has said some things on Twitter about, about him. Like when he goes rattlesnake hunting. And stuff, how, how much of a knucklehead he is, how much of a nut he is. Wait, are you being serious right I now? I am. She, I, I, I have so to this look. is really really what he meant, is that he gets I, Twitter criticism from his family. <laughs> well, I think that, and I think, I think the fact that he probably comes home and everybody's on their phone, there's no conversation going on. He's just a old, he's kind of the old school guy. 
but he's also the guy who's landing. He, he's firing that criticism about, about being a man and Twitter and going, and he's got a mullet. Dude's got a mullet, dude. You can't be 52 and have a mullet, can you? Well, I mean, if you if you are, you're the type of guy that makes fart noises into microphones or during press conferences. It's what's ruining America. It's what's ruining this country. I mean, does that not sound like every good old boy ever? God, Let me tell you what's ruining this country right now. Them kids and that Twitters, that's what's ruining this country. I can't believe... I'm an old guy. I'm the get-off-my-lawn guy. 100%. But my goodness... That's, that's a bit much for you. That's what's, ru- that's what's ruining this country. Twitter, them kids, it's, late on a payment. It's stunning that he was not cracking open a Milwaukee's best while he was no, delivering that no rant. Question. That would have that put it over the top. <laughs> Skinny. <laughs> Moving on. Are there any NFL trades? We talked. I got to check. Am I late on a payment or anything? <laughs> have, you, have you checked that Netflix account yeah, recently? Yeah, good, good call. Uh, are we talked about the NFL trades earlier. We referred to the Bengals specifically. We went through some of the guys that did get moved. Are there any NFL trades that happen Tuesday that you think actually make a difference? Dante Fowler going to L.A., going to the Rams. My goodness gracious, they are already stupid good on that defensive line, and now you're going to add him on the edge with Aaron Donald inside. Um, they've already proven. I think they, I don't know if they've proven it. They've proven to me they're the best team in the NFL. Now, does that mean they're the Super Bowl champ? I can't anoint them that, but they've proven it because they can run it, they can throw it, they can stop the run. They're a little susceptible occasionally against the pass, but they can get after the pass, passer. Um, and now they've added a, just another uh, luxury piece. That one mattered the most to me. That was almost like, you can tell, and, and the Rams do, they have a lot of guys on one-year deals or coming to the end of deals. I think they've decided this is all in year, and I get it. I, I that, For them to make this deal prove to me that they've decided, well, let's just add a luxury. We, we, do we really need him? No. But could he help us? Yeah. And could he be the guy that in the playoffs when it's third and eight and the game is on the line, I got Aaron Donald coming up, up the middle mashing people and he's one-on-one against the tackle and wins that battle and that's, that's what wins the game the key moment for us I get it I think that's the one trade that really mattered to me I think that I think it's either that one or the only other one I would maybe throw out there is Demarius Thomas to the Texans and now granted, because they needed a guy with Will Fuller getting hurt yeah and the te- or Demarius Thomas he certainly wasn't going to be worth the contract that he was he, he wasn't worth the contract he was already on and next year it went up to some astronomical amount like 14 or 16 million or something to where he's certainly not worth that type of money. However, I do think he's still a viable receiver in the NFL and new scenery, little Well, and, and you have a refresher. quarterback that probably plays more to his strengths. Deshaun Watson likes to take shots down the field. Will Fuller was the down-the-field guy. Marius Thomas is a down-the-field guy. And so now you've got him on one side, DeAndre Hopkins on the other. Um, yeah, that, that, that's a good call. That, that's probably one, too. You could maybe argue Golden Tate to Philly, but Golden Tate to me is just a guy. I just don't think, think he's, he's any maker. better than Nelson Algor. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean... Yeah, that, and that's fair. I, I, Golden Tate's just a guy, but it's it's a nice extra piece to have. Demarius Thomas, though, for a team that leads its division, has started to play. They've won five straight since losing three in a row. Look like they're, everything's rolling right. Suddenly you lose Will Fuller for the season to the knee injury, and you picked up a piece that in his best day is probably better than Will Fuller. Yes. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that's a good point. And I think he's passed his best day, but it was certainly a need yeah. for them. So yeah. to me, that would be the one I'd go with, but I think it's one of those two. Skinny, Larry Fitzgerald unleashed, I mean, known for his professionalism. That's been a yep. big thing ever yep. since he entered the league. A lot of people made a big deal about it. Unleashed a ferocious spike after catching a two-point conversion to the Cardinals, an 18-15 to lead with 34 seconds left against the 49ers. Why did he do that? He had to apologize for it after the game. He said he was a little frustrated and had a heavy heart because his, his feelings were a little hurt. So that, I was carrying that around all day. So when I got in there, I kind of let it out. To all the kids that are watching, I'm sorry. I set a bad example today. Why did he have a heavy heart, Skinny? Because his son didn't want to go to the game. He didn't want to watch those bums that were 1-6 and six or whatever they are now. He wanted to go to the State Fair. I can't blame the kid. The Arizona State Fair? How old was this kid? 13 to 16, probably in that range? Dude, Teenager? Dude, that's what fairs are for, right? That's what fe- that's what church festivals are for, dude, right? The age when that, you're... That's, what, that's when puberty hits, and that's when you're going... Hey, I'm going with my boys to the to the festival, and you're not just going to play the games and eat the funnel cake. You're going for the girls, man. The you're going a- for the girls. The age when you're old enough to start going to, like, around here it's parish festivals, right? We don't do state fairs quite as much around here, but the age you're old enough to start going to the fair or festival without parental, parental supervision. Yes. Like, people are getting dropped off there and just hanging out for the night. 
those are the best days of your life no as question. a teenager. No question. All types of debauchery are going yes. down during those nights. So, but it's kind of a safe enough environment. One hundred percent. It's totally innocent yeah, because right. you're at like a fair or something. Yeah. I mean, best case scenario is like someone snuck half of a beer behind Correct. a thing Correct. and you drank it. Whatever. Um, it's pretty harmless, but those are the best days. So I get it. I'm on the kid's side. I am too. I think Larry was being. No, I also don't think this. Larry needs to apologize for unleashing no. a ferocious spike. And obviously, this yeah, was that's the worst cheek. thing Larry. I know that's the first worst thing Larry Fitzgerald ever does. Um, that's a pretty good. That's a, that's a pretty good example that he's setting. I mean, from a from a sportsmanship perspective, which I'll be honest, I really don't care about. The man's a saint. I mean, he's really never stepped outside the lines at all. There's been a lot of good dudes that have played in the NFL that have spiked the football. It's kind of a right of getting into the end zone. I think the celebration stuff is nonsensical. People that get giddy, oh, what did you see? Nah, okay. Guys, leapfrog, grow the freaking I'm all up. into it. I think it's all dumbest. into it. That stupid thing the Bengals did where they all post. I love that. Give me that a was break. great. The Macarena the week before where Joe Mixon doesn't even know what the hell's going on. Give me a bite. That stuff to me is not. But throwing down a spike, ah, eh, it's not a big deal. I'm with you. It's not a big deal, but I thought it was a pretty funny oh, moment. Oh, yeah, no, and, no. Oh, yeah, and, no question. And he also showed just great sense of humor to play it up the way he yeah. did in the postgame and apologize yeah. and everything. But. but but I'm with you, though, man. That if, that if I'm that kid... I'm going to the fair, and I'm looking for I'm looking I'm looking for me a girl. I can't relate to this feeling at all. Um, I know you're not exactly a professional athlete either, but you have kids at least. Is that I mean, is that something you think would bother you if your kid didn't want to keep watching you, when you as you got older in your career? I, I would tell you this: I coach basketball, and I occasionally ask them to come come to the games. They don't want to come. They got they got they, they come to like two a year. They don't want to come. They want to go. They want they want to go do their thing. Do man. they know you won a national championship? They do know that. Okay. They they know that. It, believe it or not, the the medal hangs around the end of my bed. They know it. They see it. <laughs> Okay. I rub it every night for good luck. And Skinny... You're not believing me, are you? Uh, no, unfortunately I do. That's the problem. I'm just... One, I'm trying tr- to process I'm it. trying to get this podcast out of your bedroom as quickly as possible that's for our poor point. listeners that's to not good, have any... That's uh, a good point. Very good Any point. visuals. Finally, I like to go off topic occasionally to end I, this I podcast. I can imagine where you're going with and this. And we've got another one today. Skinny, a British woman who claimed she has slept with at least 20 ghosts says she's now engaged to a poltergeist. First of all, I'm not sure I exactly know what a poltergeist is. I think it's a, I think it's a ghost like that's a in spirit? between. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like a spirit, be- yeah, right? Yeah, right? Okay. Right. Like it's not manifesting it's a movie or something. Yeah, it is a movie. Maybe she just <laughs> married a DVD. Maybe she did. Uh, in December, Amethyst Realm, which you name your kid Amethyst, you're setting yourself up for Wait this. Wait a minute, that's her name? Yes, Amethyst Realm, which may be fake, but if you named your kid Amethyst, you're setting yourself up for a crazy. I think I saw her on the main stage like 10 years ago. <laughs> On well, the main stage, Amethyst. Th- that, that was a different stone, I ah, believe. Got it. A different precious jewel. <laughs> yep, good call. On stage that Sorry night. Sorry to ballet. <laughs> she told a, a TV show that she cheated on her fiancé with a ghost and has since gone on to have supernatural affairs with at least 20 paranormal beings. So, Skinny, really the only thing I want to know from you out of this is, offered the chance, would you sleep with a ghost? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're going to give me, I mean, Marilyn Monroe? I mean, well, hold on. I'm not saying you got a, like a supermodel well, ghost. Uh, that's, that's my point. I mean, if you're gonna go, if you're gonna go to that point not of the most it, iconic ghost of all time, like yeah. just, just I would say it's just a. You don't even necessarily know who the ghost is. Just a normal, average ghost. Is it a good looking ghost? It's a ghost, it's man. It's gotta be a good look. I'm not gonna sleep with just a ghost. Ghost. I mean, sure. It's uh, we'll, we'll say she's not like a fat ghost. We'll say it's like you know, like a a solid six or seven ghost. Yeah. Okay. Abs- yeah. Yeah. No question. Uh, see, I think I, you got to do it just for the experience. I think I'm a big experience guy. I don't. Know. I am too. Would you be afraid? Yes, one hundred percent. That's the whole reason to do it. It's like sleeping with a chick who's really dirty. Like you're kind of afraid to do it, but you're also but doing you're, it yeah. because you're afraid to do it. That's a good point. Like, that's, that's the fun a, that's of it. That's a good it's, point. It's or it's like doing it where you might get caught. Now here's the question: She told her fiance right that she's fooling around with a ghost. Yeah, she cheated on him with a okay, ghost. Okay, a do you feel hurt if you're him, and or um, do you feel like you've been cheated on, or do you feel like I got to get away from this nut job. I mean, honestly. Here, well, first of all, it's definitely the latter. Second of all, the problem with getting told you got cheated on with a ghost is there's no recourse for you. You can't show up at the ghost's house, bang the door down, and knock that ghost out. Correct. Like, you can't get Correct. back at the ghost. You can't go cheat on the... You can't go knock up the ghost girlfriend and, and, and have it, her cheat on him. Yeah, that's the thing. There's no way to get back at the that, ghost. That's the point. What if you just... You either don't believe in ghosts, you are incapable of seeing ghosts... And you can't get back at her by cheating with a ghost. Do you think only certain... Uh, okay. You believe in ghosts, I think. Uh, kind of. I, 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 yeah, yes and no. Yeah, I'll, I'll say Do you yeah. believe certain people can see ghosts and others can't? Or do you think like if ghosts exist, it's all like in the same, we're all 
I think Even we're, playing we're all, I, I think we probably are all in the same plane. I mean, I will tell you this. I, there are occasionally, um, my father-in-law used to live with us and my mother-in-law and occasionally we hear some things from like his room. And I just, I always wonder. I do. I wonder. I wonder something like, like knocking, like, like something will knock. You'll hear like a weird knock. Oh, you, you hear it now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, oh I oh, thought yes. you were saying back when he lived there. I was like yeah, skinny. No. He might have. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, my daughter, um, at, who goes to Kentucky, uh, she was just up for, for Sunday. I took her back to school Monday. We were, we were talking. Her roommate actually got afraid, took her, took her on Sunday night, took her, um, mattress into another room to sleep with these other two girls because there is supposedly a ghost in there in there uh she lives in a sorority house there's supposedly a ghost named thomas in the sorority house as she was in the room without my she was in the room by herself because my daughter was gone something fell off the wall and she thought thomas did it so she literally i got she showed me a picture she goes here's my roommate in in the room she took her mattress off her bed dragged it down the hall into another room so she could sleep with two other people because she was afraid yeah, I think this is a, a cable show waiting to happen, like Ghost Hunters they've got, I, which is pretty good. Back, back, I'll in, watch the, back it. in the radio days, we had a couple of people that, 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 that we actually would bring in who uh, who would show us and, and, and let us listen to some things that makes you go, either you're really good at putting me on or there's something to that. But you want to know where this gets real freaky and you start making money, Ghost Hunter porn. Ghost hunter porn. I mean, you there's got to be a market for it, right? You there start going out, finding the ghost, and then fornicating. <laughs> it's billion dollar industry. Problem is, though, it's going to look weird because you won't be able to see the ghost on the on the on the thing. Well, you might be right about that. Although, in that case, leave it up to the imagination. They that's always that, say that's, the, that's a good point. You know, that's I mean, a good call. Plus, plus, you get to be a rock star if there's they that, can't tell what's going on. That's a good you, point. So, she's loving it. Yeah, she is. Loving what, whether this. you're seeing if she's loving it or not, she's loving it. One hundred percent. At least you're making it look that way. So, in closing, I would say this. Yeah, I do it. I'm down. I think I think we're both doing ghosts if we get the opportunity. If we get obviously, the opportunity. we don't want any presumptu- presumptuous. Yeah. I mean, man, I'm going to go home today. And there's going to be a ghost in my in my house. I, to be honest with you, I don't think ghosts are looking to hit up either one of us. Probably neither right. one of that's, us are that good looking. We don't have any power. That's just it, dude. Don't have any. We help. have no chance to even land a ghost. We plus we're not named Amethyst. Yeah. If you're named Amethyst, ghosts seek you out. Wow, that's no doubt, good. no doubt. All right, Rick, appreciate it. We'll be back a week from today talking about uh, local topics and national topics, and Rick will find something so stupid that it'll make me laugh at the end. Thanks for being with us. This has been another edition of the Skinny Podcast, the Potpourri edition. Thanks to Rick Brewing, and thanks to Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati.